Let's pray together as we enter into our time in the Word for this Resurrection Sunday. Father, as we come together here, uh, your people, uh, primarily from, uh, from a place called Life Point Church, and as we tune in, as it were, into this message, now we pray that you would meet us, God. Uh, be with us as I proclaim this message from these uh, gospel stories. And I pray, Lord God, that in the midst of that, that you would continue to teach us and, and, and draw us to yourself. I pray that for us, Lord. I pray that for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are also worshiping, many of them, uh, virtually this uh, Easter Sunday. And I ask, Lord God, that you would meet them in their worship and that your word would go forth. And God, as we do the very best that we can do to connect and to, and to honor you uh, through the proclamation of your word and through, and through worship, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in that, Lord God, and that, that you might teach us and that we might know a sense of unity, even though we are separated, Lord, that we might sense unity in the body of Christ this morning. We pray for our missionaries, Lord, some of them are still on the field, away from family, uh, away from the things that they know uh, on this Resurrection Sunday. We pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and that you would be merciful and gracious to them in these days, Lord God. Father, we love you. We worship you. We commit ourselves to you right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illumine this text uh, for us, God, that, that our eyes would be, would be illuminated so that we might hear and see you in this, uh, in this text, Lord, or in these texts. So God, minister to us and through us. Fill us with your spirit, God. Pour out your spirit upon Life Point Church and the greater body of Christ today. Father, we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that today. Father, we, we have, have come through Monday, Thursday. We have come through Good Friday, and we are now ready to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that Christ uh, has, has died and that Christ has risen and that Christ will come again. God, we rejoice in this ancient creed and the truth that it declares, and we do that today. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Well, this morning, I want to just take um, a, a fairly brief amount of time, and brief for me is probably not the same as brief for you, but briefer than what I normally would do on a Sunday morning, and just share with you three stories, and uh, these stories are not directly tied to the resurrection of Christ, and yet they are stories that I believe call us to faith, which is what the resurrection uh, does. It calls us to faith in what Christ has done and what God has done and accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ, not only on Good Friday, but certainly on Resurrection Sunday as well. So I'm going to talk about some encounters with Jesus this morning from three texts, and they're, uh, they're, they're three of my favorite texts of the New Testament. And I know every time we talk about favorite texts, it's like, well, why is one better than another? And I don't know the answer to that other than to say, I love these texts, and since I'm the one preaching today, I get to choose. And so I choose these three. And they come from John's Gospel, chapter 11. We'll tarry there a little bit longer. And then two stories of two fathers who are desperate uh, for a child from Mark 5 and from Mark 9. And so Knowing this, friends, that encounters with Jesus Christ change things. They, they always change things, quite frankly, for better or for worse in human, in human lives. They change people, and they have this inevitable uh, uh, way of bringing us to a crisis of faith. What are we going to choose? What are we going to, how are we going to respond to Jesus Christ? Do we believe or do we not believe? 
And so I hope that at the end of this message that, that you'll be able to say and to say with confidence that, that you, you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you can believe in your heart that God has indeed raised him from the dead. That is, that is my hope in this, in this message today. And it's not that my words, I think, will convince you, but I hope the text will, will demonstrate that will either solidify your faith or arise in you new faith in Jesus Christ. So we start today out of John's Gospel, chapter 11, and we're going to see that for a woman named Martha, the question of whether or not she believed will come during a time of, of great crisis in her life and in the life of her sister Mary as well. But we will, we will focus here this morning on Martha. And so this will be our primary text for today. It comes from John's Gospel, chapter 11, and I'm just going to be reading part of the story, and that comes from uh, John eleven seventeen through 27 this morning. And so here's our text for today. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. He is the brother to Mary and Martha. They live in the city of Bethany. And uh, uh, Jesus has received news that, that Lazarus is very sick. And so he has come to Bethany in order to, to minister uh, to Lazarus' sisters, to Mary and to Martha. And yet, we see in our text today that by the time Jesus arrives, Lazarus is already dead and has been dead for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Amen. And so for Martha in our story for this morning from John's Gospel, the stakes really could hardly have been any higher. Her brother Lazarus is now laying in a tomb. He's dead. He's been there now for four days. She and her sister Mary sent for Jesus while he was still alive, hoping that he would come and that he would heal their brother. It appears that after they sent news to Jesus, uh, Lazarus must have died very, very soon after that. Maybe while the, 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 the folks carrying the news to Jesus had just left Bethany. And so by the time Jesus comes, because he, he tarries where he is at for some time before he makes the journey to, to Bethany, uh, Lazarus has, has died. And so... Mary and Martha, it appears, have been spending time talking to one another, saying, Jesus will come. He will come, and, and Lazarus is going to be okay. Uh, we, we assume this because they both have the same thing to say to Jesus when they, when they see him. Master, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. It, it seems that they've been consoling each other with these words. But Lazarus did die, right? Their hope is in Jesus. They believe Jesus can, can heal their brother Lazarus. But Jesus doesn't show up. Uh, he, he, he's a no-show when they need him. And, and Lazarus indeed dies. And, and unbeknownst to them, Jesus 
intentionally waited so that Lazarus would in fact die before he arrived. He waits two full days, the text tells us, uh, for Lazarus' illness to take full effect. Only then does Jesus leave for Bethany. We know that this is intentional because earlier in this account, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says to his disciples, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you might believe. I'm glad I wasn't there. Not only was he glad, he was intentionally not there. The goal is that his disciples will believe and place their faith and hope in Jesus. And so upon his arrival, Jesus is informed that Lazarus is dead. This is not news to Jesus, but, but he is informed that Lazarus has in fact died. When Martha hears that Jesus has finally arrived, she goes out to greet him as the older sister, as the host. She goes to greet him, and she says to him, matter-of-factly, Lord, Master, Rabbi, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, which is simply true. It's true enough, right? And one wonders if there's a bit of a touch of rebuke here. If you had been here, Jesus, after all, we sent news to you days ago. If you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. But here's where Jesus now seizes this moment. In this crisis moment, he tests her. He's almost prodding her, it seems. And he says to her, your brother's going to rise again, Martha. And Martha is a believer, right? She knows Christ and she believes what, what the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures teach. And that is that there will be a resurrection. So she says, yes, I believe that. Lazarus will rise. But she's now looking to the future. Lazarus lays dead. So now she's looking to the future and she says, I do believe that he will rise on this last day. He's going to rise at the general resurrection. But now Jesus comes directly to the point, if you notice here in the text. It's as if he's going to say, listen, Martha, you say that you believe in me and you have seen miracles. You have seen things that have taken place. Now I'm going to ask you to put your faith into, into practice. I'm going to ask you point blank. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And that those who place their faith in me, though they die, yet they shall live forever. Do you believe in that? See, it's a direct challenge to her faith. See, Jesus, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would not have died. But he now is in fact dead. And now you, you question me about my faith, and my faith is yes, I believe that he will rise on the last day. But now Jesus says, I have an even deeper question for you, a more important question for you, Martha. I'm going to probe a little bit deeper. Do you believe that I'm the resurrection? Do you believe that I bring life to people? Do you believe that when I tell you that point blank? And then you see Martha, her faith blossoms here, doesn't it? And, and, and she says, I do believe this. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, which means I believe you are the Messiah. You are the one that the scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, what the Jews would have called the Tanakh, what, what it teaches is true. A Messiah will come, and I believe you're that Messiah. I believe you're the Son of God that is to come into the world. So here's this beautiful interaction, this probing interaction between Jesus and Martha as he probes her faith. Now they move to where Lazarus has been buried. Jesus says, take me to where he is. And they go there. One would assume he's going to go there. He's going to grieve. He's going to pray. He's going to do what Jews do when someone has, has passed away. He's going to do what everybody does when someone has passed away. But then he says, take away 
the stone, the text tells us. Take away the stone, he says. And now Martha, this new faith that she has is now sorely tested, right? Take away the stone, Jesus says to her. And she says, but Jesus, he's been dead for four days, right? There's going to be an odor now. This is just practical speaking here. There's going to be an odor. This is a a hot, this is a dry and arid climate. The decomposition has already taken place, Master. And so if we take away the stone, it it, it will bring an unpleasant odor uh, to us. Her Her new faith is tested here. Friends, listen, our world is full of people who talk about their faith. It is full of people who talk about their faith, but there are precious few whose faith truly makes them new people, new creations in Christ. There are precious few who actually place their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. God knows the difference, even though we may not see the difference, because there are so many who talk about Jesus. There are so many who say the name Jesus. It will be across the, the, the airwaves today uh, a, a, a thousand times, 10,000 times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But there are so few who put their faith and their hope in Christ. God knows the difference. We have a hard time distinguishing the difference. Martha has said, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. Now Jesus says, let me put this to, to the test. Roll away the stone. She says, well, Lord, there's, there's going to be an odor. Jesus says, Martha, didn't I just tell you that if you will believe in me, you'll see the glory of God? And so the stone is rolled away. And Lazarus is raised from the dead. He's, he's resurrected. He is, he is resuscitated to life. He will die again one day, but, but now he is resuscitated to life. And now... The disciples put their faith in Jesus. They see and they believe. And it's not just the disciples, but but others put their faith in them too. The the crowds are there and they see it and many of them believe. But here's an an interesting and really quite amazing part of this text. The rest of the crowd have had their faith prodded as well. Some will believe, but verse 45 tells us that, that many of them, or at least some of them, it has the exact opposite effect. It, it, it angers them. They go to the teachers of the, of, of the Jews, the Pharisees, and they tell them about this news. They are now hardened against Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? The very act that Jesus uses to produce faith in Martha, in her sister Mary, we didn't get a lot of chance to talk about Mary, but, but Mary's faith is, is, is prompted as well. Some of the, uh, the, the crowd, the disciples, their faith is enriched, it is strengthened in Christ by this great sign, this great miracle. But for others, it entrenches them further and deeper in their hatred for Jesus, in the rejection of Jesus Christ. From these crises of faith that occur in our lives, They have a tendency to either draw us to Jesus or push us further away from him. We see both happen in this amazing story from John chapter 11. Now let's leave that story and let's move to two other stories very, very quickly, both from Mark's gospel, both telling us about two fathers who have a crisis of faith of their own and their encounters with Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 5 tells us the story of, of a man named Jairus who was a synagogue ruler. And I spoke about briefly about this story last week because, again, it's one of my favorite stories in the Scriptures, and uh, I, I refer to it quite often in my preaching, in my teaching. Jairus is a synagogue ruler, 
and uh, something traumatic has happened in his life, and that is his precious 12-year-old daughter is sick, and he knows she's dying, and he believes Jesus can do something about it. And so he goes to find Jesus. In the context there of Mark 5, Jesus has just been in the regions of the Gadarenes. He has encountered a man who is possessed by... by uh, a legion of demons. There's this power encounter there between Jesus and the forces of darkness, between Jesus and Satan. Now Jesus crosses back over uh, the, the, the Sea of Galilee and he returns to, to the Jewish side uh, of, the, uh, of the lake. And here Jairus meets him, the synagogue ruler meets him because just like for Martha, the stakes really could not be higher for Jairus here. His daughter is lie, lying uh, sick and dying at home. He comes to Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet and he says, Master, my daughter is sick and dying. Please come to my home. Come with me and, and touch my daughter and heal my daughter. And on the way, we don't have time to go into this, but, but again, most of you know this story. They're on the way to Jairus' home, and a woman who has a, an issue of, of, of blood for 12 years touches Jesus' uh, the, the hem of his garment. Jesus stops. There is this interaction between Jesus and this woman, another crisis of faith, another moment of Jesus calling a woman to faith. But, but what's important for our storyline today and for Jairus is that there's a delay here that takes place, and the delay is fatal. His daughter dies. Now, whether it's because of this encounter or not, we don't know, but the delay is a fatal delay. Can you imagine Jairus' thoughts here? Jesus is interacting with a woman, and Jairus has got to be thinking, Jesus, come on. Let's get to my house. You said you'd heal my daughter. Come home with me. She's sick. We, we don't know what Jairus is thinking or saying, but I can only imagine as a father myself, I'm, I'm probably thinking, do what you got to do with this woman, get it done, let's go, because I want you at my house. You've promised to come. Now come to my home. But it is a fatal delay, and during this time, some messengers come from Jairus' home, and they say to Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. What, what's the use? What's the use? Come home to your family. And here is where this great crisis of faith takes place. Jesus turns to Jairus in our story today. It's from Mark chapter 5, verses 35 and verse 36. Let me just read it for you here. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, Jairus, only believe. Now here's a test of faith, right? He's just gotten word his daughter's dead. What is Jairus supposed to be putting his faith in? That someone's gonna raise his daughter from the dead? That this man, this Jesus, is actually gonna raise somebody from the dead? But Jesus says to him, don't fear, Jairus. Simply put your faith in me. Believe in me. In the English, we don't really get the full sense of what Jesus is saying here. In the original language, Jesus effectively says to him, Jairus, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Whatever you do, Jairus, don't lose your faith. You keep on believing in me. Friends, here is a word for us today on this Resurrection Sunday. Keep on believing in Jesus. No matter what happens, keep on believing. Don't fear, only believe. Believe, believe, believe. Keep on believing. That's Jesus' word to Jairus. I don't want you to be fearful now, Jairus. 
I want you to keep on believing in me. You had faith. That faith uh, brought me to you. That faith caused you to come and seek me out. Don't lose that faith now. Believe in me. Don't let fear take over your life now, Jairus. You keep believing in me. Friends, a true encounter with Jesus Christ is met with a call to faith. A true encounter with Jesus Christ is met with a, with a call to faith. This is what Jesus says to Jairus. This is what Jesus said to Martha. I want you to believe. I want you to hope in me. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in who I am? Jairus, what brought you to me in the first place? You still believe that? Don't give way to fear. Keep on believing in me. A crisis of faith occurs when we walk towards Jesus, friends. A crisis of faith occurs when we walk away from Jesus. It either causes us to draw closer to him, to seek him, or it pushes us further our, uh, down our own path to, to destruction. That no one who encounters Christ walks away the same person. No, <clears throat> nobody does. Nobody walks away from Jesus in a genuine encounter with Jesus, the same person. Everyone, everyone who will eventually enter into that home with Jairus and Jesus to see his daughter. They will be changed. They will be astonished. And so if you know this story, Jesus does go to the home and he sends people out and he brings Jairus and his wife and three of his disciples in and he raises this little girl from the dead, right? He gets a hold of her hand. Can you imagine what it was like for, G for Jairus to walk into that room? He left with his daughter sick. He comes back and there she is. She's dead. And Jesus goes to her and he grabs her hand, the scripture says. In Aramaic, he says, Talathakume, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she gets up. And then like every 12-year-old with a ferocious uh, uh, diet uh, or, or desire for food, he says, feed this little girl. Give her something uh, to, to eat. It's an incredible encounter here, friends, between Jesus and Jairus. What, what's at stake here? What's at stake here? What's at stake is the life of a little girl, of course, but, but I, I, I firmly believe bigger than that, bigger than that, what is at stake is the faith of Jairus. What is at, fake, uh, at stake is the faith of Jairus' wife. What is at stake is the, is the faith of Peter, James, and John who come in. What is at stake is, is the faith of this crowd who when Jesus shows up, if you know the story, they mock him because Jesus says, she's not dead, she's merely asleep. And they, they say to him, who are you, right? She's dead. We know she's dead. And they mock Jesus. Now they come out and they have to eat crow because it's not just Jesus and Jairus and Jairus' wife and three disciples who walk out. It's them plus one. It's them and a 12-year-old girl. Faith is at stake in this encounter. They're going to come face to faith with a wonderful and horrible for some of them truth. And that is that Jesus is the Messiah and not even death is Jesus' master. And Jesus would tell us it's not the master of those who follow him either. Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life. And now quickly, one more story about a crisis of faith and an encounter with Jesus from Mark chapter 9. This time, a man who has a son. And Mark 9 relates this story to us that his son has dealt with this situation. He's, he's, a, he's a younger child. We don't know how old he is necessarily, but, but he is one who has been, who's been battling demonic possession. And it looks a lot, uh, a lot like some, some, uh, uh, some issues that, that people may even, even have uh, today with convulsions and, and epileptic, epileptic fits. 
And, and, and so the question arises, is everybody with epilepsy or everyone who has convulsions, are they demonic, are they demon-possessed? And the answer is, of course not, of course not. But this child is. There's an encounter here between Jesus and the forces of darkness again. And this is an encounter with demonic spirits or a demonic spirit. And this spirit has taken this young boy, this unclean spirit, the scripture says. And we're not told how it came about or why it came about. That's a story, I suspect, in and of itself. But apparently, this has been going on for some time. And this spirit, like all evil spirits, is bent on destroying this boy. And so the disciples in, in context here have come back from this encounter on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as they come back, they, they uh, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus come to a, to a crowd. And the crowd has gathered. And there are teachers of the law there. And there are some of Jesus' disciples. And they've tried to, to cast this demon out. But they're unsuccessful in casting this demon out. So can you imagine this situation? Can you imagine this father's desperation in this situation? The stakes could not be any higher for this man. He's brought his son to the disciples. These are the disciples of Jesus, but they cannot cast the demon out. And now he's going to go home with the son in the same condition that he came. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And, and, and the man comes to Jesus and Jesus says to the man and to the crowd, what's going on here? What are you arguing about? And it's because there's been these questions of theology that have been debated, apparently. And the boy is still demon-possessed. And so Jesus says, essentially, what am I going to do with you? Even my own disciples, even my own, those who follow me, what am I going to do with your decided lack of faith? He says, bring the boy to me. Now, that's a sermon in and of itself, friends. Bring the boy to me, right? Bring him to me. Bring Jesus is offering to do something here that the disciples can't do, that nobody else seems to be able to do. Bring the boy now to me. And hope has got to arise, one would think, in this encounter. And the Spirit knows the gig is up. The boy is thrown into convulsions right there in front of Jesus and the father tells him that it's been like this since his early age and the, and the demon has been abusing his child and trying to kill him outright by throwing him into water and throwing him into flames. And he says to Jesus in the midst of this, if you can do anything, please have pity on us. If you can do anything, Jesus, have pity on us. And immediately Jesus turns to the man and says, if you can, if you can do anything, Everything is possible for those who believe, right? You're questioning whether I can do this now. Where is your faith, man? Where is your faith in this situation? And this man, too, I suspect sees that his chances for his son's healing are beginning to, to dwindle away. They're slipping away. And so now in desperation, he cries out in complete honesty now. Now it's just a time for complete honesty. I do believe, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me, help me to believe, Jesus. I, I believe, I have a sliver of faith, but I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's happening. My son is hurting and I want him healed. I don't know what I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Help me to believe. It is an honest prayer. It's a prayer that we might pray even today, friends. God, I believe, but help me, strengthen my faith, give me faith, help me in my, in my disbelief. The disciples earlier in Jesus' ministry had said to Jesus, we want to we, we know how to pray. Help us to believe. 
And Jesus helps them. He, he teaches them how they might have faith. He gives them faith in him. I do believe, the man says. Now, Jesus, help me in my unbelief. This honest, honest request before Jesus for more faith. And Jesus now rebukes the spirit and the son is made clean. He's set free from this demonic presence. Friends, Jesus does not demand perfect faith from us, but he does demand faith. He does demand faith, friends. It's not a perfect faith that he demands, but he does demand faith. John Stott said, faith is laying hold of Jesus Christ personally. There is no merit in it. It's not another work. Its value lies not in itself, but entirely in its object, Jesus Christ. It's taking hold of Jesus Christ personally. It's not just talking about Jesus. It's not just saying we have faith. It's saying, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. I believe that you are the Messiah. It's saying, I will put away fear and I will believe. I will keep on believing in Jesus. This is a crisis of faith. This is what God has called us to do. We are to believe. This man's prayer is a good prayer. It acknowledges that without God, we cannot believe as we ought to believe. And so we seek it from God. We say, God, help me to believe. And so in these three stories, we see a crisis of faith. We see an encounter with Jesus Christ. We see a call to faith. And we see Jesus come through. We see Jesus come through in these encounters. And so in practical terms, let me just wrap this up here on this Resurrection Sunday for us. In practical terms, what does it mean for us? First, I think it means that belief in Jesus is not just an exchange of pleasantries. It's not just, oh, sure, I believe Jesus, tip of the hat. I believe who you are. I believe that you are who you say you are, whatever that might be. I have a lot of my own ideas of what that might be. It's not just an exchange of pleasantries. It is a wholehearted, self-risking trust in Jesus Christ. Don't fear, he says to Jairus. Keep on believing. There's a risk here, Jairus. There's a risk here. Shall I come to your home or not? Shall I come or not? Martha, shall we go to the tomb or not? Father, shall I, shall I address this demon in your son or shall I not? It is, there's a risk here for these people. It is a wholehearted, self-risking trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, as Messiah, as the one who came, as the one who died, as the one who was resurrected from the dead. It is a wholehearted trust in him. For Mary, for Martha, for Jairus, for the boys of Father, they found that placing their faith in Jesus Christ came at a risk, but their hope in Jesus wasn't just for the future, right? It was for now as well. Martha said, I believe about it in the future. Jesus says, do you believe it now? Do you believe it right now where the rubber meets the road? Her answer is yes. Jairus' answer is yes, come home with me. The man's answer is yes, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Address the situation with my son. It is for now, it is for the future. Second, I think it leads to our final application point for today, and that is this, friends. Jesus calls us to believe. Hope in Jesus is not a blind hope. It is not a blind hope. It is rooted in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what our hope is rooted in, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. What does Jesus say to Martha? I am the resurrection and the life. I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe this, Martha? 
Friends, Jesus would ask us the same thing. I'm the resurrection, the life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that on this Resurrection Sunday? Do you believe I'm the resurrection? Do you believe I bring life? Not just life to dead people, not just resuscitation, not just the casting out of demons, but do you believe I have life for you and life more abundant and free and everlasting life? Do you believe it for now and do you believe it for the future? Friends, the stakes for us on this Resurrection Sunday could not be any higher If our encounters with God are going to have any lasting impact upon us, they must lead us to the place where we would say, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. That we would confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. That we would believe in our hearts that God has indeed raised him from the dead. What we celebrate today, did it really happen in time and space? Did Jesus bodily come out of that tomb, friends? Do you believe Do you believe that? And if you do, friends, keep on believing. Don't fear. Keep on believing in Jesus Christ. Friends, this is where doubt leaves off, where faith begins. This is where doubt leaves off, friends, and salvation begins. It is where every single encounter with Jesus Christ, genuine, real encounter with Jesus Christ is intended to lead because genuine encounters with Jesus Christ change us. They make us a new creation. They make us different human beings, friends. Do you know that in Christ? Have you had that encounter with Jesus? I pray that you have this Sunday. And if you have, rejoice in that. Keep on believing in Jesus. Rejoice in that. And if you have not, friends, then you cry out to Christ today. Help me in my unbelief that you might know Jesus Christ, that you might know hope and and, and life everlasting in Jesus Christ. On this Resurrection Sunday 2020, That's my prayer for you. That is my hope for you. Believe in Jesus and know life and know hope in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus, know life and hope in Christ. I pray that for you today, my friends. Father, I pray that for those who are are listening to this message. I pray that for me. I pray that for us, God, that we might have this encounter with Jesus Many of us, most of us, I suspect, watching this, I have, I've had this encounter, Lord. For me, it took place over 40 years ago. God, where a crisis of faith led me to my knees, where I I cried out to you, to a Jesus I barely knew and understood, but I cried out to Jesus. I believed, I placed my hope and my faith in you. And Christ, you have never disappointed me in over 40 years. And I suspect that is so true for the people who are watching this today who have known Christ, who know you, Lord Jesus. But God, undoubtedly, there are some who are watching this, who are hearing this, who have never had a genuine encounter with you that has led them to a faith in you. God, I pray that these would not repel them, that they would not see these great acts, these great signs, and walk further away from Jesus, but it would draw them to you, Lord God, on this day. Father, we worship you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you on this day. Holy Spirit, thank you for showing us, for for laying it out in the scriptures that we might know and believe. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for Good Friday. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday. God, we worship you today. We do it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen.